Good morning, everyone. Let's pray together as we start. Heavenly Father, illuminate our minds, warm our hearts, and give us a fresh encounter with you today, our risen Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, when I was a teenager at secondary school, I was asked to write an essay on the meaning of the Christian faith. And at the time, I used to go to church with my family, although I'd never been to Sunday school. But I considered myself a Christian, and I thought this would be an easy essay to complete. So I wrote a long essay about what the Christian faith was all about, and I went into great detail about the fact it involved doing lots of good things in your life, and that would get you to heaven. And by the time I finished, I was quite proud of what I'd written and looked forward to getting it back with some good comments. Of course, when the essay returned, I was rather perturbed to find that the school chaplain had written that I'd misunderstood what the Christian faith was all about. And it was not about doing good works to get us to heaven, but it was about God's grace and forgiveness and Jesus saving us from our sins. In fact, I was so put out by his comments, I wrote a short note in my school book to say that everyone's religious opinions were as valid as everyone else's, and I was entitled to my perspective on the Christian faith. Quite a dangerous thing to do to a teacher. Well, the chaplain never replied to this, perhaps in the hope that I would discover the truth for myself one day. Now, I mention this story because it's so easy to think that we know the truth and yet to be misguided and muddled and even plain wrong. It's possible to have a partial understanding of the truth without fully understanding what it's really all about. And the school chaplain was right all along. I'd misunderstood the Christian faith. And looking back on that experience, I'm aware that although I didn't become a Christian at that point, I reckon he was the first person to ever teach me the true meaning of the Christian faith. Now, here in our passage, we see a similar situation unfolding, but at a much more significant level. We've got two disciples, not of the original 12, who are traveling on the Emmaus Road. We know from verse 17, they're downcast, they're bewildered, they're confused. Jesus, their leader, their mentor, has been killed, and it's left them scattered, unsure, uncertain of what to do. And on top of that, they've heard these strange reports from Mary Magdalene and others that they've seen Jesus alive. It's all very confusing and difficult to comprehend. And so we see in verses 13 to 14 that they're using this journey to Emmaus to talk, to discuss, to try and get their heads around everything that has happened. Now, why are they so confused and perplexed and befuddled? Well, it's because they haven't fully understood the truth. You see, they think they know what the Christian message involves. They think they know what the Easter weekend was all about. But just like me in my teenage school days, they've misunderstood. And this is surprising. They're disciples of Jesus. They've walked with him. They've talked with him. They've seen his miracles. They've heard his teaching. They've heard him talk of the need to die and then three days later rise again. But somehow the truth hasn't dawned. They've understood part of the message, but somehow they've got things muddled up and they need someone to explain what Easter is really all about. They need someone to teach them the meaning 
of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus himself comes in this amazing encounter on the Emmaus Road and explains to them what it's all about. So let's have a look at how Jesus engages with them and opens their eyes to the truth. Let's see if we can learn any lessons from his example. Then maybe we too might be able to help those whom we encounter who have a partial understanding of the truth and bring them through to a full understanding and salvation. And what we find here is that Jesus engages with these disciples at several different levels. And the first of these is he takes an inquisitive approach. Now, how do you think Jesus might start in seeking to explain everything to them? He might choose to be very direct. He might say, it's me, Jesus. He might declare, I am alive, raised from the dead through a remarkable miracle. But interestingly, he doesn't take a direct approach of this kind. Instead, in verse 15, he chooses not to reveal himself immediately. He takes a much more inquisitive approach. What do we mean by inquisitive? He simply asks the disciples some questions. In verse 17, he asks them what they're discussing as they walk along the road. And then in verse 19, after they've mentioned things that have been happening recently in Jerusalem, he asks them, well, what things? You see, Jesus doesn't throw a pre-packaged gospel at them. He doesn't give them an immediate sermon. He draws them in by getting them to talk about their experience and their interpretation of the first Easter events. In other words, he starts where they are and he uses questions to draw them into discussion. And that's always a great place to start when we're talking to others about the Christian message. You know, often we're so impatient, aren't we, to rush in and get directly to the heart of the message. We rush straight to our agenda rather than listening to their agenda and the issues that are concerning them. And we need to follow the example of Jesus and learn to be more inquisitive. We need to start where our friends are, with simple questions, draw them into conversation, and open out the discussion. And a key part of being inquisitive involves listening. It's quite interesting here. Verses 19 to 24, Jesus simply allows the disciples to talk. He allows them to explain their assessment of the Easter events. And as they talk, he's able to assess their understanding. And it's very clear their interpretation of the Easter events is all muddled up. Notice in verse 19, they have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. They describe Jesus as a prophet, powerful in word and deed. After all the great I am statements which has shown that Jesus is much more than a prophet, they still haven't grasped that Jesus is God himself come down to earth in human form. They still have a partial understanding of the truth. Then notice in verse 21, the disciples have a misunderstanding of why Jesus came. They say, we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. See, they believed in a Messiah, but one who was going to come as a political leader to lead them in uh, triumph over the imperialist power of the Romans. And of course, now their hopes of world domination with the Messiah as king have clearly been shattered. Once again, they only have a partial understanding of the truth. Then in verses 22 to 24, they clearly misunderstood the meaning of the resurrection. 
They've heard the reports from some of the women that the body of Jesus could not be found and that the angels have told them Jesus is alive, but they can't get their heads round it. It's totally baffling for them. Once again, they're not able to fully understand the truth. They have a partial understanding at a superficial level, but they've not grasped what the Easter events are really all about. So here we see in this short space of time, Jesus asking questions to draw the disciples out, and he listens patiently to their perspective, and he gains an insight into their understanding and sees just how muddled they are. And this is a great pattern for us to follow. As I say, we're so eager sometimes to jump in with both feet. We're so eager to jump straight in with our understanding of the Easter message, we forget to draw people in. We forget to hear their understanding of spiritual truth. We forget to ask questions and listen to what they might already understand. And we need to pray for wisdom to know how to approach those we meet in a more engaging manner that builds their interest and their curiosity. Well, secondly, Jesus engages with the disciples using an intellectual approach. In verses 25 to 27, he challenges their thinking and he uses the scriptures to explain what the Easter events are really all about. He says, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains to them what's said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Notice again, he doesn't immediately say, you've got it all wrong, the real truth is this, this and this. He takes the time to work through the scriptures with them, starting at the beginning and working through to the end. You can imagine it was quite a long journey to Emmaus, so Jesus had the time to explain where the disciples have misunderstood things. And it reminds us, doesn't it, it's difficult to fully understand the Easter message unless somebody explains it to us. And so Jesus goes through a systematic evangelistic Bible study, if we can call it that, and he helps them to understand what Easter is all about. And when we have the opportunity to talk to our friends about the Easter message, it's good to start with an inquisitive approach, but then move on to a more intellectual approach and take time to explain the message to them. And there's no better place to start when we're seeking to explain our faith than to start with the Bible. Now, we don't know exactly what Old Testament scriptures Jesus used, We can guess he's likely to have corrected some of the mistaken ideas that they displayed earlier, that he was not just a prophet, that God himself come to earth to dwell amongst us. He may have shown them from the scriptures that he was not to be an earthly king to win victory over the Romans, but a heavenly king who would win victory over sin and death and hell. He would have shown them from the scriptures, maybe, that by his resurrection, he would be proclaimed king over the whole earth and over heaven and would open heaven up to us forevermore. Well, we don't know exactly how he did it. But what we do know is that that discussion changed the disciples' lives forever. Now, it's also clear that this discussion had a very powerful effect on the emotions of the disciples. Later in verse 32, they say this, 
Powerful words, aren't they? Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, they've been changed intellectually by this amazing encounter with Jesus on this journey, but they've also been changed emotionally. The truth has reached both their minds and their emotions. It's had an impact on both their hearts and their minds. The Easter message is powerful. It has an impact at a rational level. It changes our understanding. It reframes our thinking. It opens our eyes to see things clearly, but it also has an impact at an emotional level. It touches our hearts deep within. It strikes chords in our hearts that remain full of cobwebs and dust for a long time. I remember when I first became a Christian at the age of 20, when I was a student, and I first understood the Christian message for the first time, I used to float down to college every day. My mind was full of new thoughts. My heart was full of joy. And we need both these perspectives, don't we, when we're reflecting on the scriptures and the Easter message. Head knowledge alone will make us dry theological academics. Heart knowledge alone will make us frothy, happy people with no real substance. It needs to impact both our hearts and our minds. And maybe those of us who've been Christian, I include myself among them for a long time, need to reflect on these things. Rediscover the response of these early disciples and let the Bible reach both our hearts and our minds so that we too can say, Did not our hearts burn within us as Jesus opened the scriptures to us each day? Well, thirdly, in our passage, Jesus engages with these disciples by taking a personal approach. In verses 28 to 29, the disciples urge Jesus, who's still a stranger at this point, to stay with them overnight. And that evening, verse 30, as they have supper together, Jesus breaks bread. And there is something in that simple act of breaking bread that wakes the disciples up and opens their eyes. They suddenly see Jesus for who he is. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Maybe they'd seen him break bread at the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe they'd seen him break bread at many meals over the last few months. But something in that simple but profound act of eating together stirs recognition inside them and they suddenly realize who he is. This is Jesus who has been raised from the dead. And this personal touch from Jesus reminds us that we need to share our lives with people too. See, reaching people in our world today with the good news of Jesus is not only about taking an inquisitive approach, asking questions, listening, drawing people in. It's not only about explaining the scriptures in a way that engages hearts and minds. It's about sharing our lives as well. And it's often in the personal touches where we live with others, where we share our lives with others, where we enjoy friendship with others, that true enlightenment comes. We're called not only to witness in word, but also in life as we live our lives before others and share our lives with them. Well, back to our passage. As Jesus breaks bread with them, suddenly the penny drops. Everything this stranger has been saying to them on the Emmaus Road begins to make sense. Everything falls into place. Everything is clear. 
The meaning of the Easter events comes into vision in absolute clarity. And you see, it's here that we realize just how clever Jesus has been. You see, if he revealed himself suddenly, it would have come as a great shock. They'd be left with loads of unanswered questions. But Jesus has drawn them in steadily. He's listened. He's asked them questions. He's explained the scriptures about everything that's happened at the first Easter. And then he's provided that personal touch by breaking bread with them in a way that only he could. Now they know beyond all doubt that Jesus is alive. They understand what those Easter events mean. They realize that Easter really has been the weekend that has changed the world. And so we see in verses 33 to 35, they return to Jerusalem and they tell the disciples that Jesus has risen. They explain everything that's happened on the Emmaus Road. It's all making sense now. The disciples are changed. Suddenly, instead of it being an Easter weekend of disaster and despair, it truly is a weekend that has changed the world. So as we draw to a close, what does this mean for us today? Well, for some of us, we may feel that we have a grasp of the spiritual truth. We may consider ourselves religious. We may feel we have some vague knowledge of the Christian faith and the Easter message. We may consider ourselves to be Christian, but we realize there's still so much to understand. Maybe we still find ourselves bemused by what the Christian faith is all about. And if you find yourself in that situation, it is very helpful to meet with someone else who can listen to your questions and explain the Christian faith to you in a way that makes sense. And we have a course here in the church that meets every now and again called Christianity Explored, an ideal place to share your own understanding, to ask questions, and hear the Christian message explained in a clear and helpful way. And if you're interested in learning more about that, do make contact with uh, Josh or Edward, any of the staff team afterwards. But you know, there may be others of us who feel we know the basics of the Christian faith, We would call ourselves disciples, just like the two in our passage. In fact, we may have been Christians for some time. But we need a fresh encounter with Jesus along the Emmaus Road, or maybe in our case, along the Chesham Road. Maybe we should ask ourselves, when was the last time we read the scriptures and sensed Jesus speaking to us in a way that's challenged our thinking and greatly encouraged our hearts? When was the last time we had an encounter with Jesus that made us say, like them, were not our hearts burning within us while Jesus talked with us on life's journey and opened the scriptures to us? When was the last time we encountered Jesus and came out of the experience changed and different and transformed? You see, at one level, the Emmaus Road experience is unique. It's an event that took place at a particular place in a unique time 2,000 years ago to demonstrate the truth of the resurrection. But there is another sense in which the Emmaus Road is a pattern for us all as we travel along life's journey. We too can encounter Christ many times as we journey through life and find our hearts and our minds transformed by his amazing truth and love. So why not ask Jesus to give us a fresh encounter 
a fresh touch of his hand on our lives today. New experience of his love, which will transform and change us. A new experience which will take us on the next step of life's journey, changed and transformed and full of joy. Well, may that be our experience today, now and for the future, as we travel down our Emmaus Road in the days to come.